Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Post UFC edition here, the Fightful MMA podcast. Uh, joined as always by managing editor of Fightful.com, Sean Ross Sapp, with a snazzy pink shirt. Look at slick. People think I look slick most of the time when I'm out there doing shows. You guys got to see Sean Ross Sapp right now. Everybody says it's pink when I do shows. It's coral. Oh, here we go. Teal, no, green, no, color, pink. It's coral. Oh, it's, it's, it's not my fault that you have the palate of a fourth grader, Joe. <laughs> Far from it, but from my screen, from what I see here, and if everyone says it looks green or looks sorry, it looks pink, it's pink, Sean. Hate to break it to you. You know, I think this might be my new post-pay-per-view shirt. You should do it. John Morgan from MMA Junkie always wears the blue shirt. He wears it specifically so his son can see him uh, on the broadcast. People give him flack all the time for wearing the blue. No, he wears it so his son can pick him out on the TV screen. Uh, But, yeah, this should be your post-fight shirt. I like it. Yeah, I'll wear this in honor of the children that I never want to have. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, whoa. That's another topic altogether. Jimmy Jimmy Van busted out the info that I have six cats. So I wasn't aware of such intel. Yeah. So now you're I got cats. starting to make sense to me. All right. Okay. Gotcha. Listen, you know, I'm a practitioner of catch as cats can. You know what? You basically took that out of my mouth. Um, before we, we came on the air, ladies and gentlemen, uh, when I was talking to Sean, uh, he, he didn't even say hi to me. He just said, we have lots to talk about. I was like, whoa, okay, we're going to go live now. Uh, <laughs> what we saw here at UFC 28, uh, we could start from the top, Sean. We could start from the prelim card. Where, where do you want to start with this one? Because this one, this one is interesting. Uh, it's tough to say. We're letting people gather still, but... Um... Really, the impact that this whole show has. Uh, we can talk about that because Bellator very soon is going to be crowning their own women's featherweight champion. And they strategically, I don't know if you saw that, but right at the conclusion of the home Durandamy fight, they started to send out tweets about that. So obviously calculated and yes, very smart move on their part. Um, also, a programming note, you guys. I think Joe and I will be here Sunday. Normally, we would do something for the, the Fedor show, but 
I'll be out of town, and it just makes sense because the UFC show is uh, Sunday night. Our boy Elias is fighting. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was a very smart move on Bellator's part. Well, it's, like you said, it's very calculated. Uh, it's a division that doesn't have much depth, uh, and now you're going to have two champions in two separate organizations. But I do want to say something that I'm not sure if you know three, about this. Three champions in three different organizations because of Invicta. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. Um, but there's something about Viacom that a lot of people should know. Uh, it's not all as it seems. Uh, I've got some information. I'll be having a phone call uh, with someone on your side of the border uh, that's provided me with some information regarding Viacom. And it's not as, as pretty as it seems. And it could impact Bellator. It could impact uh, mixed martial arts in general. Uh, by the sounds of it, it's more negative than positive. I could have read it wrong. But when I get that information, I'll probably get it on, on Sunday or, on, or later today, if not on Monday. Uh, but it's, it's from the top and what's happening with all the changes uh, with Viacom. So, um, And then yet Frank Trigg, uh, two days ago on this very podcast, explained to us you know, what's going to happen with Scott Coker next, what's going to happen with Bellator. Uh, there's going to be some weird things happening in 2017 with Bellator. Don't even worry about that 145-pound title that they're going to be having soon for the ladies. There's some stuff going down over there at Viacom. Have you heard anything at all? I haven't, but I've been getting some interesting followers, including Scott Coker lately. All right, then. That's very good. The Maybe he's looking for a job soon. Well, according to Frank Trigg, he's either going to have a very nice, significant uh, extension and some more money, or he may be starting his own organization. And I thought, well, where's the TV deal going to come with? Or where's it going to go? Obviously, um, you know, Spike becoming Paramount. And, you know, he, he does have his ties with, with CBS. Um, but, yeah, a lot, a lot of things can change uh, with Bellator Viacom. It could be fantastic. It, it could just go to another level but um the irony of all this is, is things are going to be fluid things are changing and not just with viacom bellator also with the ufc because even before this show oh. went on the air you you sent off a tweet saying you cannot wait to discuss the debauchery that is the new ownership of the ultimate fighting championship misha Serkinov, he's gone lorenz larkin he's gone eric perez he's gone for some reason i don't know which is it makes that makes that comment made last week that during the Alexa Grasso fight, UFC has uh, reached great success in Mexico, and they're moving into Mexico. Double bullshit. You're not going to let a guy like Eric Perez go if that's the case. You're letting these guys walk. This used to be the Super Bowl of MMA, and hey, with some of the names that I saw getting cut, I was like, okay, maybe they're moving that direction. Then I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, wait a second. Misha Serkinov asked for more money. He's about to hit his prime, and you're telling him to hit the bricks, and then he's a flake because he didn't accept your lowball deal? Give me a break. I, hey, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of uh, Lorenz Larkin. I'm proud of all these people that are making a free agent market out of it. But here's the thing. I don't think the UFC gives a shit. They're just like, okay, well, if you want to raise, you can go there. Now, here, here's what I got to ask you, Joe. How much do you think Lorenzo Fertitta and Dana White will buy their company back for after WME IMG fucks it up for them? I had this conversation about four hours ago with a friend of mine. He, he sarcastically said the same thing. Um, that's crazy. Like, I mean, it's it's what is happening here? I mean, the, the, these roster cuts uh, are, are listen are, are 
we don't fully understand or know what their actual vision is, what it's going to be and what they're doing. And these cuts are obviously looking at the fact that, hey, we're losing money here. We're not going to be spending any more money on these guys and or girls. We need to take a look at this roster and change things up. Uh, I've maintained there could be changes that, that can be made. But like you mentioned, with a guy like Misha Sirkinoff, and listen, full disclosure and full bias, he's, he's from my area. He's from Toronto. Uh, a fantastic fighter. Uh, Dana White calling him a flake or he flaked out. So those are, that's just what you call negotiations. Uh, but Dana White saying that, I don't think Sirkinoff would come out and say anything. He's not that type of guy. Uh, but at the same time, you know, two, I look at that in two different ways. Number one, you sign a contract. You should honor the contract. But number two, contracts can be renegotiated. You know, if, if your value is better, you, you, you know, you're bringing in this, you're doing that, this is what you're bringing in the company. Well, his deal's up. His, his deal's up. It's time for him to renegotiate. It's, you ask for more money, nothing wrong with that. Look, look at the way things are right now. Look at the landscape right now. If Scott Coker gets an extension and Viacom says, here, go out, get what you want, look who's out there right now. Lorenz Larkin, Misha Serkinov, Rick Story to a lesser degree. Uh, also, three really underrated names, Marlon Marias, Justin Gaethje, David Branch. World Series of Fighting's losing everybody except for like Andre Harrison, who they just got and Blagoy Ivanov, and Lance Palmer, I guess. You sign up those five or six names, that can really bolster some of these cards so you don't have Melvin Gillard versus Chidi and Jaquani main eventing. But, yeah, I'm sure that I'll uh, go off on them a little bit later some more in in the form of the UFC. I guess we we can talk about this card now. Yeah, well, the Andre Harrison thing is still puzzling to me because he was with Titan. He was the Titan featherweight champion. And the next thing you know, I'm told, uh, yeah, no, uh, title's vacant. And he went to the World Series of Fighting. I'm like, this guy's ready to go to the UFC. What just yeah. happened here? So They probably offered him more money than, than UFC did. I mean, Justin Gaethje was getting 100000 a fight, not including his sponsorships. So, I mean, is the UFC going to offer him 100000 I highly doubt it. Should they? They really should. Uh, how would he do? He's probably a top 15 lightweight. I don't see him cracking the top five there, but Hey, I mean, I don't think David branch or Justin Gaethje are getting six figures out of the UFC. No, no, I, I, I completely agree. Um, let's, let's get over to this. They card might have here. a Bellator though. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, there's different money there. Um, onto this card here. Uh, the one boat I wasn't able to watch was, uh, or fully was the Islam Makachev uh, fight versus Nick Lentz. And then I saw the scorecards. 30-25, 30-25, So I guess the, the judges were getting pretty liberal with those 10-8 scorecards. Uh, your thoughts on that fight? Yeah, I'm cool with that. Uh, Nick Lentz couldn't get anything going. He was completely stifled. This is the guy who people once said Conor McGregor was ducking. Correct. That is Just correct. remember that, guys. This, this guy, people said that Conor McGregor didn't want to fight him. And Islam, Islam Makachev just shut him down completely. Like, it wasn't even close. By the third, Lentz was really grasping just for anything he could get going for, like spinning back fists, stuff like that. Good win for Makachev. Good for him now. Wilson Heiss, we already know, or Heiss, he uh, he was already, he had that title shot. Uh, it's hands full tonight uh, with uh, Sasaki. Sasaki did a pretty good job, was able to stick in. He's doing pretty good towards the end of that fight in the last minute or so. Uh, but Wilson, again, has his hand raised in victory. Yeah, he should have too. Sasaki once was like a really, really highly touted prospect, and you could see a little bit of that there. But oh man, nothing about this fight made me want to see Wilson Hayes challenge for that title. 
Yeah, yeah. No, you're 100% right. 100%. But I mean, it's like, what what could he show me that would – he's fighting Mighty Mouse Johnson. Like, what's it matter? Yeah, it's uh, – that's another one of those divisions with a champion where you're just like, oh, there's just like – this guy's got to do – I hate to say it, but he's got to do super fights. You know, like it's it's, it's driving me nuts. Like, Wilson I think Heist- he loves being – I think he loves being that dominant figure, though. I think he likes being that – that like mythical Fedor of his division that just runs through everybody that he can find. And then they throw cans at him. Well, not cans, but cans compared to him. Yeah. It's uh well, we'll cross that bridge when we have to get to it in my opinion. All right. Uh, my boy, before you say it, my boy, Bilal Muhammad, uh, I thought he had a fantastic fight against Randy Brown, considering it to deal with that reach, which was just enormous in my opinion. But Bilal just kept his game going, just kept, kept going, kept just, chopping away at the legs, whether it was at the outside, whether it was on the inside, you know, you know, bobbing his head, being smart with his, with his rhythm as well. Uh, Cause he was, he was countering at the right time. He did get tagged a few times, but Hey man, he emerges victorious 30, 27, 30, 27, 29, 28. Yeah. Brown had a lot of trouble like stopping the takedown out, out in like the open and Muhammad took advantage of that. And then Brown decided to like go all Ric Flair and eye gouge. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Muhammad landed some really short, some short stuff from from back control, and I, I thought he looked good. I thought the fight was good. A good win for your boy. <laughs> yeah, throw it in. Muhammad, Randy Brown. I have a soft spot for Joe because you may not know this, but he won three championships with the Chicago Bulls in the nineties. You're absolutely right. Now he's MMA, so it's, you know he's he's able to to stay young and continue what he's doing. So good good for him. Uh, speaking of guys that uh, Dustin Poirier's leg, I don't know. I mean, I haven't read anything just Ooh. yet. Yeah, that was just that's looking pretty gross, pretty disgusting. Jim Miller, man, that guy's just got hard. He was just he would not go away and took a beating and just kept coming back over and over again. I, I almost thought he was going to pull it off um, because the one thing the commentators weren't mentioning was at the end of the first round and throughout that second round, Dustin Poirier was already sucking back wind. He was looking at the clock. He was yeah. looking at his corner and he was like exhaling or like he would throw a combination and wouldn't land. He would reset and you just saw that. And then he would keep going. And I was like, whoa, dude, you're not even halfway through this fight yet. So, you know, he does emerge victorious. He does get the majority decision, but a good victory for him. And, and you know, a tough one for Jim Miller to, to lose in New York like that. Hell of a fight. And, yeah, right after the fight, Poirier said, I'm taking some time off. You could visibly see one leg was more swollen than the other one. One thing I love that Poirier did, he faked a guillotine to kind of get a shot in at Jim Miller, like, I think Jim Miller had shot in and he like halfway applied a guillotine, but did that to have uh, Miller shell up. And then he just unloaded a couple of punches. Uh, we saw the classic Dustin Poirier moving in uh, or moving out. And then he, he pushes back in behind uh, lots of power shots. That was really cool. Miller checked a kick too. And it's almost like Poirier saw it coming because Miller was turning away from the shots and Poirier spun him back around with that 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 checked kick and then unloaded more shots. And then at the end, you could see uh, Miller went to the ground and Poirier just collapsed on top of him. Like, just take me home, take me to the end of the round, let's go. <laughs> exactly. This, this, yeah. was a, this was a fantastic fight, though. And uh, you can never guarantee a win over Jim Miller, man. It's just, that's, 
whether you're number like three or number 300, you just never know how that will go. Well, one of Jim Miller's former opponents, Diego Sanchez, is now taking on um, Ally Aquinta. You like that fight? Some of these fights they announced. What are they talking about? <laughs> what are they talking about? Artem Labov against Cub Swanson? Swanson? What? What are you doing? Hey, big shocker. TheMacLife.com broke the news on that one. If you'd believe that. I mean, that is his claim to fame. He is a training partner of Conor McGregor being Artem Labov. We got the number four featherweight in the universe taking on the number 54 featherweight in the universe. And that's just, like, if if people were dropping, like, (laughs) oh, what? Why would you do this? Okay, is this a risky thing? Is this one of those things where the UFC is like, listen, they they could just cut Artem if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. But like, you know what? We'll put him against Swanson. Swanson smashes him. You know why they're not cutting him. Yes. You know why they're not cutting him. Connor. Because of Connor, and they probably gave him this fight because of Connor. But here's the thing: maybe it's a warm, maybe it's a tune-up fight. We talk about those a lot. Jacare kind of got one against Tim Boach. This is one to a more extreme degree. Artem Labov is so crazy; he could end up like knocking him out. Who knows? But maybe I think that uh, this is why I think this is happening, Joe. I think this is a placeholder fight because I calm myself down. Because they expect maybe one of the two guys fighting for the featherweight title to get hurt. Because let's, let's be honest, when you book Jose Aldo, you can't always expect Jose Aldo to show up to a fight. And for all that talk about where's Jose Waldo, that fight was supposed to happen tonight. Yep. And Max Holloway's the reason it didn't. So, I mean, I think that's why they booked that is – in case one of those guys falls out, they can put Cub Swanson on uh, in their place, and it can be either an interim title fight or it can be an undisputed championship fight. And that's cool. Uh, I, I like the Brandon Moreno-Dustin uh, Ortiz matchup. That's a good one. Uh, Alvy versus Latest. That's a really good matchup. Tim Elliott, Luis Smoka, another good one. Watterson versus Nama Yunus. I think uh, Nama Yunus is going to win that. Will Brooks, Charles Oliveira. I'm glad to see Charles Oliveira going up to lightweight. That's long overdue. Yeah, he's he, that that featherweight stint. Oof. But yeah, it's just and Panay versus Taylor. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that too. Panay is when your number thirteen girl in divisions, Jessica Panay. You got a pretty good division, I think. But uh, yeah, that that LeBoff Swanson thing. It's like, what are they thinking? Yeah. I thought of you right away when they announced that fight. I just looked at the screen and I was like, oh my gosh, Sean's going to lose his marbles on this one here. This is just, it's insane. Uh, all right, let's get back to this card here. Uh, Glover Teixeira taking on Jared Cannonier. Um, Glover looked good considering he came off that brutal knockout versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. Um, not Didn't look great. Uh, I think DC called it correctly when he said, you know, that, that head movement wasn't really there uh, for Glover Teixeira. But overall, did what he had to do to emerge victorious. I thought for sure when he got mount uh, for that one that one moment, it was going to get ugly for him, but it didn't. He was looking for the submissions, but good on Jared, man. He was able to get out of a lot of dangerous positions on the ground by continually moving his hip and doing a, or hips and doing a fantastic job to remain somewhat safe uh, and go the full distance uh, with a guy who's, what, number three in the division right now? 
Yeah, I'd be surprised if we saw Teixeira fight before he turns 38, which is at the end of October, because I think he's probably going to have shoulder surgery again by the sound of it. He said that it felt like he tore the same thing that he tore uh, in the John Jones fight. So, I mean, John Jones messed him up for life there. Pretty much, uh, yeah. by, by By all accounts, Jared Cannonier should have won this fight in the first round. He should have. He was. He. I don't think he realized that he wobbled Glover Teixeira with about 15 seconds left, and he didn't. He followed up a little bit, but he didn't follow up a lot. But you go back and you watch the last 15 seconds of that round. Uh, Glover Teixeira was feeling it, and he knew what he had to do after that first round, and he took Cannonier down. It's a bummer. I wanted some more chaos in that light heavyweight division. <laughs> <laughs> that division. I mean, Oh God, that division! So, so the Krylov fan was here tonight. No, no, no. How was that? He was here tonight, and boy, he was excited when they showed that top ten rankings. And because Misha Serkinov and Ryan Bader are no longer in the UFC, Ryan, Krylov is now number eight in the division again. These these rankings, like, come on, like, oh, I, I'm going to do an update every single week of, of the changes, but. Glover Teixeira did what he's going to have to do, but, man, it, it hurts the division again, which, I mean, you can't help that. Who's, who's The guy who wins the fight has got to win the fight. But now your number three guy is probably going to be out maybe through the rest of the year. That's rough, man. That's rough. And Ryan Bader's still in the rankings, mind you. He's still there. So Nikita Krylov is about to be the number seven ranked light heavyweight. Do you know what the latest is in that Ryan Bader situation? Uh, I am hearing that he did sign in with Bellator, but no, it's not factual. So He was expecting to sign, but you know how that goes. I mean, I think there, like you mentioned, there might be some different, some, uh, it may have been on the table, and then maybe with whatever this Coker situation is, it kind of got put on the back burner. I could see that. Because, I mean, you, you would think with the people that are out there, the guys that we mentioned, some free agency, some free agent signings would have been mentioned by now. I mean, Gaethje, Branch, Marias, Larkin, Story, Cole Miller's out there right now. Uh, you know that Bellator, even though he's lost like four fights in a row, you know they would love to have Cole Miller. It seems like just the kind of guy that they would love to have. So, yeah, I think I think that's maybe put things on the back burner. I can't say that for sure. That's just my hunch. Yeah, it depends on the offer sheet that, that Ryan Bader would get. And if that, I mean, Frank Trigg nailed it on the head. He said, look, uh, you, you can match an offer sheet financially. What the UFC wouldn't offer is if, if, you know, Bellator, as an example, would guarantee Ryan Bader a title shot in his first fight. And the UFC is like, well, we can't match that. You're not getting a title shot here. See ya. So, uh, although yeah. you technically, well, you technically, it is the UFC. Crazier things have happened. And based on the history of Ryan Bader and Daniel Cormier, you could probably put together uh, a title fight pretty quickly based on past footage and just have Ryan Bader lose his marbles on the mic again, uh, start havoc on social media, havoc at a UFC event, and then have DC agree to it. Boom, you could have a title fight pretty quickly. So, well, but I mean, if, if Cormier stays awake through that Rumble Johnson fight. Oh, boy. You think uh, he says he's going to make him quit? He says he's going to stand with him, too. I don't believe that. No chance. He'll take, <laughs> not a he'll chance. see one punch just graze his head. Nope. Done. We're clinching. We're going out on the ground. This is over. Yeah. Uh, interesting to see. Anyways, speaking of guys that take people down on the ground and just end it very quickly, Jacare 
is something else, and it is magic. If anyone's ever done jiu-jitsu, you will appreciate, uh, even if you've never done jiu-jitsu or any sort of grappling whatsoever, uh, when I see Jacare compete, it's just the old nogi days, and this guy is just absolute magic with every single one of his techniques, not all of which we see in the octagon are advanced. They're very basic. They're, the basics are the best part of all martial arts. It could be boxing, Muay Thai, it could be whatever. His basic jiu-jitsu, like Damian Maya's, is so magical. It's so perfect that he doesn't need to use any advanced skills or any advanced techniques. And the way he just got on top of, of Tim Boach and eventually just, just the way he reached that Kimura and the way he grabbed it. I mean, um, you know, the, sorry, I, I'm calling it a Kimura. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going to go. But the thing is, the one of the things people always forget about, you can call it what you want in a second, the Kimura, is if when you grab the when you grab the wrist is one thing. If you can bend and then turn, oh, it, the, the pain is 100% worse. And as soon as they got that second camera angle and you saw Boach's arm back and the wrist the way it was bent, I was just going, it's done. It's done. Like That is absolutely beautiful. And there was the tap. Poor Boach is always the victim of these this terrible, like just shoulder destroyers, like the the hammerlock from Phil Davis and the double wrist lock from Jacare. Man, um, first off, why are you trying kicks against Jacare Souza? Yeah, one kick and that was it. Hey, Tim Boach, another guy who might end up in. He seems like the kind of guy that we'll see contending for a World Series of Fighting Championship in about four months. Because this was his last fight on his deal, too. So, and you know, if he asks for a red cent more, see ya. Too flaky. You're flaky. Tim Boach is the barbarian's flaky. flaky. Yeah. You're flaky. You know, the guy who, like, broke his face in between rounds, and then when they asked him if he wanted to stop, he screamed, fuck, no. (laughs) Too flaky, this guy. (laughs) The guy who got laid on for two and a half rounds and decided to European uppercut Yushin Okami into into Pluto. Sure, too flaky. But, um, man, Jacare. And this was a tune-up fight. It really was. But uh, it's it's one of those fights like you can't ever write off Tim Boach because he's Tim Boach. And he is like – he's that guy that, like, you'd see him at the supermarket and you'd have no idea he was a pro fighter. But if you found out he was a pro fighter, you'd go, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, that would that would certainly is – how I think he's paying for his, his lettuce and his tomatoes. But uh, as fight was what it was supposed to be for Jacare, and, it, and it, it happened at the right time because nobody will accuse this of being the most exciting UFC card ever, especially from top to bottom. Pay-per-view I thought was solid, despite some people saying it was boring. The crowd needed a finish. The viewers needed a finish. And Jacare needed a finish too because – Yoel Romero has done the right thing, and he has made some noise. That GoFundMe he started oh, for Michael Bisping's medical gangster. bills. Absolute gangster. Top-notch. Top-level trash talk there. Fantastic. So Jacare had to do something impressive, and he got it done. And he's calling uh, Romero a cheater. Uh, what did he call uh, Bisping a chicken? Well, he is. Yeah, cheaters and chickens in the division, he said. So, uh, I mean, listen, I, what went through my mind when, when Jacare, act, you know, he pulls off the submission. He, he does what he has to do. It was three minutes and like 41 seconds or something like that. Um, I wonder if he just sort of let out a sigh of relief because all the pressure was on him. He risked everything in this fight, taking on 
Tim Vilch. I mean, like, like you got Damian Maya who's waiting for that title shot, doesn't want to fight Masvidal, doesn't want to fight anyone, wants that title shot. Sosa's like, I want to get paid. I want to get, but then you, they got to give him somebody, and they give him Boach, who's not an easy guy to defeat, although he did defeat him fairly easily. You got to wonder if that, once that fight was over, when he got up and started walking away, it was like, okay, done. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you can't ever. Tim Boach is just one of those guys. Just one of those guys. Um, but. <laughs> Now, if I were to say this, and I'm laughing maniacally in my head, like, would it surprise you if it was announced next week that they're doing Romero Jacare 2 and Silva Bisping 2? Uh, I've... <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise okay, me. Because... Here's the funniest thing. It's not unreasonable to think that in mid-2018, Anderson Silva will be middleweight champion again. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you? It's crazy imagine? the way they do things. Yeah. I mean, someone, I, I don't know who put out that tweet, but said, you know, don't be surprised if it is Bisping uh, Silva too because there's some bills and debts that have to be paid off. Also, you morons in the chat, quit saying UFC is a fixed sport. It is not. Don't be ridiculous. That is an insult. I hate that. Nothing pisses me off more. It, How? it really upsets. I don't, I don't, where is it fixed? How? Where? What? Oh, it upsets Fights? me so much. It oh, upsets God. me so much. And it shouldn't because I hear it all the time, but it's just so stupid. It's so asinine. Let's talk about this Silva fight. So the Silva fight sort of kind of – listen, he's 41 years old, okay? And, and, and yeah. I'm not saying people like – Looks you, a lot different. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not saying people like you or anyone has to agree with me. It's it's my problem. It's my fault. I, I it's it's my vintage Anderson Silva. I wish we just, you know, I, I felt like I lost so much of what Anderson Silva really could have been because he's not only arguably the greatest of all time, but in those fights where he messed around and joked around and didn't fight fully and blah 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 blah. blah, blah there's so much more that I wish he would have done in his career to really just solidify himself as the greatest of all time that I still think he can do it. Uh, he can't. He's 41 years old. And, you know, some of those uppercuts that Derek Brunson landed tonight, I was like, oh, my God, you're going to get knocked out, dude. What are you doing? Stop messing around. Get out of there. And maybe he just couldn't get out of there, Sean. He was just fighting his, his way. But you saw when he started getting you know, aggressive and he started bopping and, or, uh, you know, bopping and weaving, he's just, he just started to look amazing. Eh, he's still 41 and, you know. At the distance with, with Derek Brunson, who was, you know, one notch below him in the rankings, but at least he was victorious. Yeah, I got a lot to say about this one. Um, so first off, Anderson Silva physically whew, looked weird, bad. He looked out of shape. He looked like he didn't do any cardio. Uh, now, you couldn't tell that he didn't do any cardio in the cage because he looked fine three rounds in. He really did. He kept his slow pace. Now, um, the thing is, before this fight, everybody but Chris Weidman seemed to, like, pause when Anderson Silva would act a fool and do what he did, almost like they were marking out, as we say in wrestling. Like, they had seen it so much on TV, and it was actually happening to them. They didn't know what to do. First thing I noticed, Anderson Silva, uh, you know, he, he, he is that counterfighter that we all know. When he's aggressive, it can be either really good or really bad. I don't know when he started that weird – fall flat on my face throwing a right hook thing, but he does that a lot where he'll he'll make his base so wide that he like slips almost every time he throws that big 
a big right hook, not not the left hook, but the right uh, especially. Also, um, Brunson doesn't cut off the octagon very well. He did in his last fight. He'll throw a lot. He'll throw like a lot of wild punches when guys have space in the cage. He he didn't throw as many wild shots as previous as. as when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. As he did previously, and he did improve a lot, like in the hall fight, he would take little steps off of feints towards the direction that he knew people were going to go. He tried that with Anderson Silva, but Anderson Silva still has pretty fantastic defense, except when Anderson Silva does that tie plum. What the hell is with him and that tie plum these days? I get it. You know, it, it obliterated Rich Franklin. It obliterated Rich Franklin, but that got him into a lot of trouble with Chris Weidman. It got him in, it's gotten him in a lot of trouble with a lot of guys. Uh, I think Cormier, maybe. But he'll hold on to it, and he will allow himself to get hit six, seven, eight times for maybe an elbow and a knee if he's lucky. He'll maybe get an elbow and a knee out of it. And a few of those shots in the, uh, in the clinch from Brunson, I thought was going to put him out, or we're going to put him out. But Yeah, there was a few where I was like, this guy's head's wobbling, that jaw's turning, it's not good. And Brunson, he always reaches with his left because it's that big power left, and his wrestling background allows him to do that. I got to say, damn. Anderson Silva's takedown defense was pretty damn fantastic for, for everything that we've said. Now the scorecards. 30-27, I think, is bad. I think it's bad. 29-28 Silva, I don't think is that bad. I don't. And a lot of people were saying, like, look at the stats. Look at the numbers. Well, that those numbers are far from accurate or complete. And, like, every time a guy breathes on another guy, I think the, the fight metric counts it as, like, a significant strike. It's it's really weird. I you know, here's the thing. I think Anderson Silva is still a top ten middleweight, and I don't think it's a question. I think he still is, but he's he's not the Anderson Silva we know. Counterfighters who rely on that quickness and reflexes they fall really hard, really fast, and we're seeing that from Anderson Silva. But it's just like, damn, that's how great he was. Is that he is still good enough to hang with a guy like Garrett Brunson? Yeah, yeah, that, and, and that's that's in essence what it all boils down to is the fact that despite him being forty-one years old, and you know ha- having that emotional sort of 
meltdown breakdown at the at the end of the fight or at the in the post fight press conference or excuse me at the in, in the post fight interview. Um, bottom line is he could, he's hanging there. He's still hanging there. How much longer? We don't know. Uh, according to you, he might be a champion in 2018. I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him fight Michael Bisping. For them to say, okay, he had a close fight with Bisping. And Romero Jacare was controversial, and it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Not in the least. Now, I do want to say this. I think every single person ranked above Anderson Silva beats him in a fight, except maybe Michael Bisping. I think Musashi, Whitaker, Weidman, Jacare, Romero, and Rockhold all beat him at this stage. But uh, on the contrary, I think most of the people below him don't beat him. and. Hey, I guess the rankings aren't always bad. No, I just took the words out of my mouth. There, there's something there where Anderson Silva is right now where it does make sense. Uh, yeah, Whitaker uh, and, and all the way up there. Bisping, I mean, so weird. It's, it's you know, I love Mike. Great guy, but he's the champion. And it just it's just still feels weird. Uh, and he defends it against Dan Henderson, who, who Trigg said, Bisping's first defense was against a 145-year-old man, um, but that's Trigg. Um, I want to say this, too. How crazy is it that technically Anderson Silva hadn't won five straight fights, but did you feel the tension that I felt during that fight still? Yeah. Like, I was tense as hell watching that fight. I was so eager. I was so anxious. He hasn't won a – technically hadn't won a fight in, like, four or five years, and I was still on the edge of my seat. And what does that say about, you know, for, we, we talk about the master's divisions all, all we want, but, hey, it's still my blood pumping. I was still – he was a big part of why I was interested in watching this show. So, hey, I think he still fights three or four more times. I really do. Yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, the, the one thing about Anderson Silva is if you've seen him compete uh, even before the UFC, but let's just look at his UFC career. At any one point in time, he can end a fight. Or at any one point in time, something crazy is going to happen in one of his fights. Uh, all the way from you know from the craziness he did against the cage and it with Stefan Bonner to what he did with Forrest Griffin uh, to getting his to getting knocked out by Chris Weidman to getting his leg shattered to Nick Diaz pulling a Nick Diaz and lying down in the octagon putting his it, it, something is going to happen in an Anderson Silva fight. He, he you know double knees or he knees uh, Michael Bisping walks away. There's always something. So whenever Anderson Silva fights, we watch there and it's like. You got to remind yourself to breathe, breathe. But you don't know what's going to happen. And and this was a fight here. I mean, the, the, there were some crazy, some exciting things happened in this fight. I mean, those uppercuts that Brunson was throwing uh, when, when uh, Anderson had the plums or had the plum that was exciting because it's like, dude, you're gonna get knocked out. But Anderson does what he does. He just never know when he's going to pull off something crazy. That, that what's crazy though is you know you mentioned he's going to probably fight three three or four more times. Who do they put him up against next? Would it be Bisping, or you know, in reality, who else would it be? <laughs> in reality, probably Vitor again if if he wins. Because I mean, I don't think they would put him up against Whitaker, but I think it'll probably be either Vitor or uh, Bisping just to do it. Be interesting to see. All right, let's move on over to the controversial. Main event: A new featherweight champion was crowned in the in the UFC's women's division. 
Jermaine Durandamy defeats Holly Holm. Lots of controversy in this one here. Punches after the bell, or buzzer, as they were calling it when it's actually a, a blowhorn, uh, or an air horn, excuse me. Um, take those two points away. Didn't happen, but if you did, this is a different fight altogether. Uh, but I think the right person won. I'm not going to lie to you. The right person won just in terms of the way the damage that was caused. Uh, your thoughts on this fight? I like the fight. Uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people will say almost any fight's boring if it goes to a decision. I thought it was a, a great technical fight. Um, and the thing is, you're going to hear a lot of people say that, say that Holly Holm was washed up. I think Holly Holm is a top three or four fighter in the world at 135, and among 145ers, I think she's probably the the third best woman we're going to see behind Durandamy and and Cyborg. And who knows uh, how a second fight with Holm would go. I thought the right woman won. I did. And the crowd didn't like it. The crowd hated it. And I think a lot of that was, was were the strikes after the bell. That ref, Todd Anderson, was an incompetent fool. And I got maybe the laugh of my life out of Daniel Cormier say, look at this ref. He wants to jump in there so bad. There he goes. There he goes. And he broke it up. But then he wasn't there at the end of the round. Now, a lot of people are blaming this on Jermaine Durandamy, but something that they got to remember. In between rounds one and two, Jermaine Durandamy straight up told her corner, I can't hear you. Whatever you're saying, I can't hear you. So, tough. So, the round between round two and three and three and four, the horn sounds, maybe she doesn't hear it, but that ref is not there. That ref is not there to split these two up. He's over there chilling, taking a nap on the Monster Energy logo somewhere. Holly Holm, you got to defend yourself too. But the second one, the second one, you absolutely have to take a point. And if that point was taken, this would be a draw. We could cancel this whole stupid-ass title, and we wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. In defense of Todd Anderson, uh, only because... Uh, I know Todd Anderson personally. He was actually uh, part of the course uh, when I got my referee uh, certificate with Big Joe McCarthy. And I can attest and tell you wholeheartedly, Todd Anderson is, is a fantastic referee. Tonight was not his night. Tonight, it he should bad. have taken away a point. The first time uh, Durandamy did that, he didn't do it. Warned her. Okay. She did it again. Should have removed, should have deducted a point. Um, it wasn't his night. Uh, he'll have better nights. He's had fantastic nights. He's he's ref for the UFC on numerous occasions. Refs a lot here uh, in Ontario, in and around the uh, Ontario or Ontario, New York. Um, but yeah, tonight wasn't his night. Those points should have been taken away. Uh, and if, if both of them were taken away, Holly Holm would have been the champion right now. Well, I don't. I don't know if. if- the first one should have been because I mean that was that I think that was on him. I do. I mean, you fight until the ref separates you. Is that is that not the language in there? Like even in between rounds, I mean, the ref makes sure you step in between them and and separate it's, them. It's correct? considered unsportsmanlike if you strike after the bell. If you continue uh-huh. action after the bell, you as a fighter should know that once the bell, the the air horn, whatever sounds, you are almost demanded you must stop if you continue after the bell after the air after the horn you can have you can have a point deducted you could actually be disqualified so it is on the ref to stop them 
to be there close enough. But the fact is, when, when Todd stepped in the first time, he had his back. And as that punch came through, he didn't even see Holly get rocked the way she got rocked. And I'm pretty sure if he did see that, he probably would have done something. Well, it's 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 what ifs, right? Um, yeah. But it is what it is. The problem, the, the issue is now is he's going to take a lot of flack. He's taking it now. He's going to take a lot more. And every time he fight, every time he he's, he's going to have to have a whole bunch of fights. And he can be perfect, ref a whole bunch of perfect fights. But the next time he does something again uh, like that, oh, he's a terrible ref again, and blah blah. blah. So you can you can ref a whole bunch of times and have a mate. Like Frank said it, uh, Trig said it the other day. The best part of the best refs are the ones you don't even see. You don't even. Yeah, know. and I mean, this was I, maybe I've watched him ref before. I can't remember, but this is the first main stage I've like prominent that I can remember him. And that's the thing, I did notice him. I noticed him time and time and time and time and time again. I noticed him after each of those uh, shots after the bell. I noticed when he didn't take a point. I noticed when he was really, really quick to to jump in and separate the clinch. See, he uh, should have said something to the ladies before he he stepped in to stop it or or, or separated them. You got to you got to warn them. Action! You got to say something. I'm going to separate you two. You, you got to advance your position. They don't. You can, then you can go in there. But to do it, I mean, there was another uh, referee that uh, Glover's fight. I think it was a, it was a Glover's fight where he advanced uh, past the guard, and he, I think he was getting into side control. And the ref's like, "Nope, stop!" and lifts them up. Yeah, like, what are you I doing? Mean, are you crazy? We've seen refs stand up. I remember the. I think it was Lashley Griggs, where they stood up Lashley out of a mount, and I'm like, I don't care if you're taking a nap in mount. I don't care. I don't care if you're sleeping like you're a homeless guy on a park bench. If you're in Mount, you earned that. Um, yeah, other people could could see it differently, but the fight, I thought uh, Durandamy had some pretty good head movement. She pushes her power through her punches really well. Um, Holmes' footwork, I love her footwork. Her footwork is better than like, 90% of male MMA fighters that I see. And it's just been refined. And and she sets up her range really well with kicks. She she takes aggressive fighters a lot of times and makes them second-guess themselves and fight defensively. Durandamy kind of noticed that and I think went the other way around. Durandamy's also really good, like in the clinch with knees and stuff. If somebody's shielding with their knee or with their elbow, she'll go around like you're supposed to, like real good tie fighters do and she'll tear into the side of your ribs with those and she did that as well um home she's also really good and i thought she was good tonight to a degree she got caught a few times when she takes risks a lot of times she'll make sure she has an opening that her footwork can get her out of like she'll maybe go to the body and leave herself open for a kick to the head or something but she'll escape out the side she got caught a couple times there uh, and, and got like Durandamy would dig into her. But uh, Durandamy didn't fall for a lot of the things that a lot of other people do because a lot of people that Holly Holm has, has fought, they, they panic to reset because they know that if you have technical errors against Holly Holm and her footwork, that she's going to make you pay. Durandamy didn't care. She just didn't care. And she just – she did her thing. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought I thought the fight was excellent. I thought she won. A lot of people were screaming robbery about this fight and the Silva fight. I didn't think either were the robbery. I thought the Silva 3027 card was bad, but I think Durandamy was the rightful winner. Now, 
Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it after the fight here in a minute, but what did you think of the fight? I, I, I thought she did great. I thought both girls did a fantastic job, and I thought, you know, I think Holly was, I mean, her takedowns were not good. Her, her entries for a lot of those takedowns were were. I guess you could say terrible. They were very telegraphic. They're too far away. Uh, I understand why she was trying to get the fight down on the ground. I, I mean, she was making some technical errors, and I heard Izzy yelling the right instructions. Um, that Izzy Martinez was, was yelling the right thing, where she put, put her, should have put her hips, where she should put her foot, where to pull, where to turn. Um, she just wasn't able to do it, and you know, you, you got to figure she was rocked. Uh, but in terms of her striking, oh, she threw that question mark kick. My goodness, was that ever beautiful? That was just, just yeah gorgeous um but durandomy's got that power and you know the way she was countering and and i i liked how dc again was bringing it up dc is really good in terms of being an analyst because as soon as holly with even with her feints and you saw randomy just sitting there and as soon as 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 that faint would come in she would plant and then get ready to just sort of launch it so that was absolutely fantastic she was ready to rock and roll her post-fight comments you know wasn't over i don't think they were classy uh but listen i don't listen that that's her personality she's being real she's being raw and she's gonna say what she's gonna say um you know her definition of i thought she was gonna come and fight me well it's mixed martial arts and, and you don't have to just sit there and stand and bang you can try and use the clinch and try and get takedowns and that's what holly was probably trying to do and you know work her, her ground game because if, if anyone has a better ground game in that fight it would be holly Holm. she just wasn't able to get that takedown there's something that she really needs to work on because if she ever one day does have to fight cyborg and if she gets rocked you probably still want to go to the ground with cyborg what am i talking about um but yeah this this i mean i'm thinking Jermaine's going to be in trouble uh, with Cyborg when this fight, if this fight ever takes yeah. place. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about there. I got somebody, I don't want to name him, I don't want to call him out, but they're, they're saying, I've never seen somebody duck a, an opponent as fast as Duranami ducked Cyborg tonight. That was a world record. And I'm like, what? Oh boy, here we go. What? Durandamy for a year was the only woman saying, give me Cyborg. 135, 140, 145. Let me fight her. Just let me fight her. Weird. I don't know. And I mean, Cyborg what does suck. What does suck is the fact that she said that she's got to get surgery. So she's going to be out for That's a thing. bit. Like, oh, That's damn it. Of course. Of course she is because she fights once a year. And I hate that. You fight once a year and you get surgery. And I get it. She couldn't get sur- – She, I don't blame her for passing it up for this opportunity. She's got a title. She's got some leverage. But uh, – and a lot of people are saying that Cyborg's confident that she'll get a retroactive TUE. Yeah, don't be so, don't be so confident because I don't think that, the, that USADA might be as forgiving as she thinks they will be. Because they saw her turning down these fights, and they said, time to test you. I mean, this is like, you know, the robots are thinking now. Yep. So uh, they, they are aware. They know what's going on. So I don't think – I think to say that Jermaine Durandamy is ducking Cyborg is ludicrous. I think to say that Cyborg was ducking Jermaine Durandamy, there's a little more evidence – going towards that, but I don't think that she was. Uh, if I were Jermaine Durandamy, I sure as hell would have said that leading up to this fight. Hey, Cyborg, UFC announced it. They announced Dur- Durandamy versus Cyborg. And Cyborg said, no, 
No, I want to fight somebody else. Now, also what's funny to me is that anybody thinks that it's hilarious like that Holm or Durandamy could stand in there with, with Chris Cyborg. Who in the hell has Chris Cyborg fought of their caliber in the last since since Coon, Marlos Coonan? Anybody? At that level, I could know. And who knows if Marlos Coonan was at that level? I mean, these two girls may have mopped the floor with her, and I love her. She's she's a sweet woman and a hell of a fighter, competing for the Bellator title, whenever the hell they're doing that. But she's, by the way, <laughs> by the way, Jesus Christ, what, Fox, what the hell are you doing? Daniel Cormier rightfully said before this, who in the hell is going to fight in this division? What do you got in Karen Bryant? Oh, no, I heard about this. She looks, she goes, Marlos Coonan can come over. Marlos Coonan can come over. Marlos Coonan, you fool, is fighting for your competition's championship in a few weeks. Oh, my God. How can you do that? What is she talking about? Unbelievable. I couldn't believe that. I could not believe that she said that. I can't. But hey, good on good on Daniel Cormier because it really is the like who's going to challenge? What if Cyborg gets suspended? Is it a hold my beer? I'm going to challenge for the featherweight title situation. Is it like that? Looking for a female Tank Abbott to come out of nowhere? Maybe they can do it on looking for a fight. They can find a contender there. That's worked out well for them, right? <laughs> it's so bad. Oh my god, it's so bad. I don't even want to talk about that. Um, any other thoughts on this uh, on this show here altogether? Man, I, I hate to make it sound like I'm being really cynical <laughs> and hate. It's just there's been so much ridiculous shit that's happened over the last like few days. Because I I enjoyed the uh, main card. I thought that Home Durandamy was a fantastic technical fight. I wouldn't say, like, if, if Anderson Silva versus Brunson were anybody else, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. But because it was Anderson Silva, I enjoyed it in the moment. Jacare Boach was fun. What the hell else do we have? Oh, Teixeira Cannoneer sucked. But Poirier versus Miller was really, really good. So I, I thought the show was a solid, solid C, maybe even a C-plus card, but... Yeah, I mean, it's just so much ridiculous stuff. Like, when you think that it can't get any more ridiculous, it's like, well, there's Cyborg. Maybe she's getting suspended, maybe she's not. There's Durandamy winning a title, but committing fouls on the way to doing it that probably should have made it a draw for a title that shouldn't exist anyway. By the way, she can't defend it anytime soon. She's got to get surgery because she only fights once a year as it is. And you can't build any contenders in that time because there is nobody to build. And who knows what will happen to anybody else on this card because if they lose, they might get cut because it's the UFC and WME and IMG. There's so much weird stuff going on. I don't know. Like somebody asked me. We didn't even talk about Ian McCall. Yeah. He might get cut Monday. He might get cut Monday. Who knows? guy's pulled out of like he's had like five or six fights canceled in a row what did i say when, when i was on the show what was it monday yeah i said we yeah. still got you know we you're still right got a few days 
I'm actually looking at your message to me. Uh, where is it? All bold letters. Ian, Ian McCall is out. One, two, three, four exclamation points. <laughs> you just lost your mind when you sent me that. You were just going crazy. But uh, I feel so bad for the guy. But then again, it's like, oh, my God. Like, he won't get cut. But like you said, if things can't get any crazier with what just happened on this card here, we can say it again. Bisping Silva 2 could actually happen. Could actually happen. Yeah, that, that's why I can't write anything like that off. Like, you just don't know. And hey, you know what? If I were the UFC and I wanted to make a bunch of money, that's exactly what I'd do. Yeah, and that's I'd why. I'd do Silva Bisping, and, and I'd do Romero, Jacare underneath it. That's the running joke. Because you know Jacare is going to accept whatever you, you give him. Because that's how Jacare is. Jacare will he'll take on John Jones or he'll take on Artem Labov. He, that's, <laughs> and he, he's straight up said, I'll keep fighting. I don't care. I'll, maybe I need another fight. I don't want to sit around. I just don't like the fact that these divisions have champions that aren't defending their belts or they get injured or they don't have good contenders. It's like, can we not just get, you know, a division that has just like just champion fight, champion defend, champion defend, champion defend, right? Like yeah. it's driving me crazy, but it is what it is. Anything else you want to talk about uh, before we wrap this up? What's happening uh, over the next week or so? Yeah, just briefly, I wanted to touch on the Tyron Woodley UFC stuff. It's very rare that I agree with Dana White when he like kind of trashes his fighters, but to a degree, I agree. I don't think that Tyron Woodley would be as big as Conor McGregor if he didn't cry all the time, but man, that guy cries a lot, a lot. Now, I'm sure he deals with some ignorant, dumbass, racist people, but I mean, to imply that like he's being held down because of racism or I think that's, I, I, maybe he's seen some stuff that I haven't seen, but he has not said anything that leads me to believe that he has. Like he hasn't pointed out any sort of systematic racism within the UFC that has prevented him. I get, he he has a lot of the same attitude of, of King Mo, like, like somebody owes him something. I'm like, dude, you're the fucking champ. You are the best 170 pounder in the world. Just tell everybody that. What are you, what are you waiting for? You are the man at that division. Just act like you're the man at that division because you are, and you earned it. And nobody can take it away from you. Nobody ever will be able to. You'll always be able to say, you're a UFC champion. And if I were him, I'd be saying, you know what? GSP isn't here because he can't beat me. And none of these other guys can beat me. And I'll fight whoever I want. Like, if he, if he, just, if he was more like that, he's not going to be as big as McGregor. But I don't think he'd get the blowback that he's getting. But... You know, he always comes out there and he, he looks really sour and upset. And like I said, maybe there's something that I haven't seen. But I do think, like, dude, just fight and beat people. And talk. Make some noise. Do it. Why not? But, I mean, I think that's the wrong kind of heat, Joe. I think exactly. accusing yep. the audience of being a bunch of racists. And like I said, there are a lot of dumbass racist people. But, like... Trashing, trashing your base, and call, I think it's the wrong kind of heat. I, I like, like, listen. I, I, not that I want to to 
disagree with what you're saying because I agree with it all. I, I don't see it. I don't sit there and I don't go on his timeline and I don't look at his social media and see where he's getting it from. And, and but you know, it's it, it, there was a point he was embracing the booze. He knew that as soon as he got on the microphone and people started booing, yep. he would bring it on. He would like, can't hear it, can't hear it, bring it, bring it, boo it, boo me all you want, get out of your system right now. So. I don't know. Uh, great fighter, fantastic fighter. There was a time when he would just fight and win, just fight and win, just fight and win, and then wins the title, and then this craziness is happening. So um, as soon as he won that title, he was talking. He was saying stuff. He said he wanted to fight Nick Diaz. Uh, he said he wanted to fight George St. Pierre. He, he was fighting. He'd fight Michael Bisping. He didn't care. And then just this racist thing came out. It was just odd. So, Yeah, I imagine that. Uh, he doesn't get to fight the middleweight champion. He doesn't get to fight a guy who the UFC won't sign and he doesn't get to fight a guy who hasn't won in like five years. So I guess the UFC is racist. I don't know, man. I feel like if the UFC were racist, John Jones wouldn't, would have been cut a long time ago. Very true. Not, not if they were racist, if they were, if they were somewhat ethical. <laughs> Jesus. No, there's no ethics when you make money. Let's be honest for a second. This is the fight game. It's promotion. It's it's dollar dollar bills, y'all. So um, busy week coming up for you, my friend. Oh yeah, tomorrow night we got elimination chamber. We have live coverage at fightful.com and fightfulwrestling.com. We will be here with a live podcast. Of course, we do the post Raw show, post SmackDown. We do Wednesday with Jimmy Van on the wrestling end. Thursday with Matt Riddle, that guy. Joe, when I say he doesn't care, during a preview for his match, he said, he, he cut a promo and he said, I'm the Progress Atlas champion. I won my last four UFC fights and got cut. Triple H can't keep my name out of his fucking mouth. Amazing. Amazing. It's fantastic. We got Shane Helms this uh, on Friday. Register at Fightful.com. It's absolutely free. Unless you are completely lazy, you got no reason to not sign up. Uh, you get early access to that Shane Helms podcast and that Matt Riddle podcast every week. And, of course, daily shows with Showdown Joe that we'll, we'll see, like Elias Theodoru, who fights next week. Pumped for that. And I think hopefully we're going to be here next Sunday night. That is correct. Hopefully. UFC show in Halifax uh, in my country, correct? I'm pumped, man. That's a, that's a good weekend. I'll be in Indianapolis Saturday night, but I'm going to watch that uh, Fedor-Mitrione fight. I think Mitrione might knock him out. That's going to be a fun one to watch. I'm looking forward to that yeah. for sure. Can't wait. Can't wait. Brother, as always, thank you very much. It is 2.15 a.m. Thank you to everyone uh, that is tuned in live with us right now. We always appreciate you guys tuning in with us. Uh, and to everyone watching later on, thank you for watching as well. But for now, make sure you follow Sean Rossap, Sean Rossap on social media, at Sean Rossap. Uh, Instagram, you, you'll see six of his cats at any one point in time uh his pink coral shirt that he's wearing right now uh his crazy glasses can't be coral and pink it's coral or pink and it's coral i'm taking a picture right now of his pink shirt so i can show it to him 
<laughs> Anyways, make sure you do follow him on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Who knows? Who, who, I don't know what else he has. He's, he's absolutely crazy. He's all over the place. Follow yours truly at Showdown Joe. But for now, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Don't forget, daily podcast with yours truly, FightfulMMA.com. Uh, I've got tons of crazy people. I've got some interesting news coming up uh, with Bellator and Viacom, likely early next week. I, I will let you all know uh, and keep you abreast. And I may have a pretty big name that could be joining us uh next week and moving forward uh the negotiations continue uh he might tell me off tomorrow he might say he's in tomorrow if he's in i will let you all know if he tells me off i'll still tell you follow me on social media (laughs) at showdown joe sean once again thank you very much for your time ladies and gentlemen thank you we will see you guys on monday this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done.